Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. Oh, I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. Yeah, I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate. How a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word. Broomgate. Hey guys, if you've been tuning in over the last couple months, you've heard all about the GameTime app and how it can save you some serious cash on last-minute tickets to sports, concerts, all types of shows. There are great deals on upcoming games. It's a great selection. There's Raptors, there's Leafs, there's everything you can want. Music, theater. It's an easy checkout system. Well, now... GameTime is hooking you up for the holidays with a $10 credit. Here's what you do. You download the GameTime app in the Google Play or App Store, click on the My Tickets section of the app, create an account, then under the billing section, redeem code THEATHLETIC. Once again, that's THEATHLETIC, all one word, for $10 off your first purchase. That's free money, people. Credit is only available to the first 1,000 people who redeem the code and it expires at the end of the year. That's December 31st, 2019. So make moves quick and score last-minute tickets. Okay, James, we are back with another edition of the pod. How are you today? I'm good. How are you doing? I haven't seen you in a while. Great. Are you rested after the road trip? That was quite a, a trip. Uh, I was rested and I came home and my small children decided to give me the death plague again. So uh, <laughs> this is the this is the cycle of my life as I go on the road and I get better and then um, come home and get sick. So my advice is uh, never have small children. So... Well, so I was surprised given that you're feeling, well, I guess not mo- most of the players don't have small children, but I was a little surprised at how they came out on Tuesday night. Like lots of times there's this cliche or whatever, or trope, or I don't know what it is, storyline that when a team comes back from a long road trip, the first game back is just a disaster. And yet like those first two periods was maybe as good as they've looked all season or maybe under Keefe. Like there's that St. Louis game. But man, like they looked great. Uh, what did you kind of notice watching the game about, especially how they played offensively? Like it, it didn't seem like 
Buffalo could get the puck for the first two periods. And they're starting to believe, Jonas. They're starting to believe. <laughs> That's I don't. I mean, they played some of what would you say like three of their best games of the season in the last five or six. Like yeah. they're they're starting to they're starting to put together some games. So, um. I don't want to say I was surprised because people were asking me on the Western Canada road trip. I met with a lot of uh, writers and people that work for those teams in Vancouver, Calgary, Edmonton. And um, they were saying, you know, what's going to happen tonight? What should we expect? And I was like, honestly, with this, with this Leafs team, I don't know. I don't know what every game's going to be. And like trying to make a prediction of how they're going to come out in Vancouver or Calgary, Edmonton. I mean, to me, it's, it's pretty well impossible. And, but you know, now they've won four or five. They've beaten some good teams. Mm-hmm. Um, they seem they're finding their footing potentially a little bit here. The schedule gets really soft coming up, and um, you know you can you can see a scenario here where where some things come together for them, can't you? Yeah, and, and I'm glad you brought up the schedule because you look at it, and obviously they still have to beat these teams. But this is these are the games coming up. They've got the Rangers, the Red Wings, the Hurricanes, the Devils, the Rangers, the Wild, the Jets, the Islanders, Oilers, etc. So there are they can really put together like a stretch here where they put themselves more firmly in the playoff conversation. Like they get themselves a spot and kind of start holding on to it. And obviously, like, that's what you've been talking about. I've been talking about that they kind of needed a big run to, to put themselves back in it just because of how mediocre the start to the season was. I think what's really interesting in watching them play right now, especially offensively, um, is how much you can see what Sheldon Keefe is trying to implement is having an effect. And what's really interesting to me, and I've been, like, taking these videos of some of their skill development uh, practices and you can see it's just translating to the game, like how they're cycling the puck, how they're holding onto it. It's 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 fascinating. Like Mike Babcock mm-hmm. used to talk forever, uh, like he wanted them to to find more offensive zone time. He used the word like rolling around, and you could see in that Buffalo game, like they were rolling around, they were you know cycling and keeping control of the puck, and and sometimes not even shooting the puck enough, but they were generating looks and possession and. I don't know. It's just really striking, you know, how much the changes systematically are, are having an effect and how some of the stuff that they're working on uh, is translating on the ice. And like we heard Matthews off the top, we haven't totally seen that with the Matthews line yet, but that was like a really first, not first, because we've seen it here and there. But if the Matthews line gets going like that and they've got Tavares going, suddenly like this team will start to look like the offensive juggernaut that we thought they were going to be. Yeah. <clears throat> and one of the things I've noticed and one of the things, one of the reasons their record isn't what it was last year is that they just haven't scored as much as they did last season. Like that, yeah. the offense is, you know, there's been lots of talk about backup goalies and team defense and expected goals. And, but if you just look at last year, they were scoring, I think I am pretty, what was it? 3.45 goals a game. Like their offense was they were a juggernaut. Like they were one of the top teams in the league. They were one of the top teams in Leaf history in terms of yeah. goals per game. And they're not there this year. They're good. And this latest little stretch here where they've been scoring more frequently has bumped them up a little bit. But for this team to get where it needs to go, 
they need to be one of the top four or five scoring teams in the NHL. And they can only do that if the Matthews line's going, Tavares line's going, et cetera, et cetera. Well, and I'm looking at it right now. So five on five, their goals per 60, they're 10th. Uh, and I believe when I did all strengths, they were like ninth. Yeah, they're and ninth. So they're, 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 yeah, they're tied much with Carolina improved, obviously. for eighth. Yeah, they, they've been yeah, moving up and, slowly here under Sheldon Keefe. Right. And last year, I'm looking it up right now, I think they were like... They were see. second or third. I think they were second yeah. to Tampa, right? Yeah, yeah, they were second to Tampa. So one part of that is is they haven't had the Tavares line going or together for most of the year, their secondary scoring has not been what we thought it would be. And then a big thing, when you look at like their overall, their power play has been bad. It's not been effective. It's, it's showed hints here and there since the coaching change of, of improvement, but it's still not, they're still not getting a lot of chances. Um, they're still kind of figuring things out, but if they can get their power play going, if they can get the Matthews line going along with the Tavares line, suddenly I think they'll start to score more goals, which takes more pressure off other places, off their defense, off their their goaltending. Um, it's interesting. Like it, it, it's it's fascinating to see this team like transition and try to figure itself out. And I thought it was really interesting after the game on Tuesday, um, where the game almost got away from them in the third period. And Sheldon Keefe was talking about how they've you know won eight of twelve uh, since he took over amid all this change and all the things that he's trying to do. And he said, you know, the team still is not close to where he thinks it can be. Um, and I think that's interesting. Like, we still don't know what this team is going to look like a month from now. Um, but the the tide is certainly, or the tide, or I don't know, the, the, the arrows are certainly pointing in the right direction. Like, you can see them kind of ascending. The Edmonton game, they played well. Um, it, it just feels like they're, they're starting to really get um, where Sheldon Keefe is trying to take them. Yeah, I, I actually think the special teams has been one of the areas that has really stood out, as, especially penalty kill. I mean, the penalty kill looks yes. completely, completely, completely different. And the results on the penalty kill are completely different. They're still, on the season, they're still at 76%. But the, and I have talked to some of the players about this on on the road trip, the the forwards are being so aggressive on the penalty kill that you see them all over the ice and sometimes they get caught and it leaves a defenseman open at the top of the at the blue line with the puck but you can see what they're trying to do and it, it's got to be exhausting being a penalty killer in this system hmm. but it, it looks so much different than the kind of the passive box that Mike Babcock was playing and you talk about the system changes that you're seeing it's most apparent to me and the power play is a lot different too <clears throat> the power play, what you're seeing a lot is you got Tyson Berry out there. He's sliding right down low, right down into by the, the face-off dot. And they're trying yeah. to use that as a one-timer. And they're shifting guys around a lot where Matthews will come up to the blue line. And you get kind of guys rotating around a little bit more than what we saw. It's it's much less static than what was happening under Mike Babcock. And there's some really interesting things that are happening there. And all of the... The underlying numbers for both special teams look a lot better than they did under Mike Babcock as well. And I think if that's something that, I mean, there's still a lot of season left. There's still 47 games left. If they can continue to do that, I think that's going to be a big piece for their record continuing to be as strong as it's been under Sheldon Keefe. Well, I'm glad you mentioned some of those underlying numbers, especially for the penalty kill. I used some of those in my Monday morning thing. 
and it, I was like, I looked at them and I'm like, this can't be right. They were, they were so <laughs> drastically. Yeah. Like I, I was like, this, this has to be wrong. And I like triple checked it and f- checked it four times just to make sure. Um, but that was a huge thing earlier in the year. And that, that's been a, a constant lingering concern. I think the past couple of years under Mike Babcock that the penalty kill actually yeah, would, but- would, would get results total. Okay. And yet everything underlying was kind of concerning. And now it's like the underlying numbers are the best in the league. They'd be kind of like middle of the pack in terms of success percentage. Yeah. But then they'd get to the playoffs and they'd get blown up by these teams that had really good power plays. And and part of the reason for that is that the fundamentals, they were just allowing a lot of zone time. And for a team that's got as many guys who are fast and skilled and can skate, especially among the forwards, it didn't make sense to play such a passive penalty kill to me. And now you get Angval out there, you get Mikheyev out there. Even even Hyman can can move pretty fast, and he's not he's not a huge guy, but he's not small either. Um, Marner, Kapanen, you add all that up. I mean, they can be a real threat shorthanded too, and we're, I think we're seeing that a lot more the last twelve games. Yeah, well, I guess Ilya Mikheyev's shorthanded goal was into an empty net, but no less. Um, that was notable over the weekend, obviously. Um, that line with Kerfoot, Mikheyev, and Engvall giving them a little punch. Like, that's one of the things that's been surprising. I, I wrote, I remember after a game in Detroit, I think, um, about how much deeper they looked. And yet it hasn't really borne out. Like, they haven't actually been any deeper than they were before. In fact, maybe a little less so. I, I haven't looked at the numbers. Well, exactly. they've had more injuries than last year, though, Jonas, right? Like, yeah, they've, well, that's, had, that's they've had more guys come out of the lineup, so then that's put some guys higher than they've wanted them to be. And I think they're a deep team, but... They should be a deep team. At forward, anyway. I, I, I You know, at yeah. forward, they are, they are deep, especially if what we're seeing from these, these guys coming in and filling in, especially if that's real. Like, if Engvall can play like this over a longer stretch period of time, then... And, and, you know, even the last couple of games, Timoshavs look good. And, yeah. you know, Spets has played pretty well if you look at all the underlying numbers for him. And that should be a strength of this team. And, and you know, Sheldon Keefe said it, you know, um, coming out of the Edmonton game. He's like, we thought coming into this game that our forward depth was going to be a mismatch for us. I'm paraphrasing, but that's essentially what he said. And, and, that, and he said that's what ended up happening. And... You look at at Edmonton, and they're like they're. You talk about a lack of depth. Like theirs is remarkable. They've only gotten sixteen goals from their forwards beyond the bottom, the top six, the top six guys that have scored goals. And the Leafs are way, way higher than that. So we can talk about maybe they haven't delivered on their depth. They got a lot more depth than a team like Edmonton. Well, and Edmonton just like keeps trying to figure out like how do we do we play Dreisaitl and McDavid together? Do we play them on separate lines? Like the other night they had all three, like adding Nugent Hopkins on different lines just to try to get something going from elsewhere. But like we still, I still don't think we know totally what they're going to get from those bottom two lines. Like as the season rolls along and into the playoffs, like can that be when Janssen comes back, when Moore comes back, maybe, maybe you can depend on it. Uh, but it, it feels like at least there's potential for a little bit more than they had. Um, you wrote about it over the road trip. And I think it's an interesting question, like with the forwards that they do have, 
And and given the question marks that they still have on defense, like I, I still don't know that you can look at the defense and say that's going to be good enough to win you a cup. Maybe, but it it would get you wondering. And you wrote about it. Do you try to exchange one of the the forwards that you do have to try to get a little bit more help on defense? Now you, I think you brought up Kapanen as the guy. I got some heat for this this column, so. I, I want to explain myself, but go ahead. Continue. You can the continue. The floor is yours. Okay. There are two reasons I wrote about this. Um, number one, I was on the trip and I was talking to teams that had scouts at games, that had front office people at games. They were talking about the Leafs roster. A lot of people are really, really interested in getting one of those Leafs forwards, whether it's going to be Kapanen or Janssen or whoever. And I think that the return on one of those guys could be surprisingly high. Like I, I think the Leafs could make a really good trade on one of those guys because mm-hmm. other teams around the league, I, I don't know if I want to say overvalue. Depends how you feel about them. But other teams around the league see those guys as really good players at a contract that's pretty solid. There's a lot mm-hmm. of teams that are struggling to have the level of forward depth that the Leafs have. And... I think potentially there could be a trade that that makes sense. And the the other thing is what you're saying is that the goal for the Leafs this season, even with the struggles they've had this year, even with where they are in the standings, the goal is still to be a contender and win the Stanley Cup. And I don't think they can do it with the blue line they have. So if you have those two realities in your head, even given the success they've had the last 12 games under Sheldon Keefe, you got to be thinking that you have to at least explore this. I mean, Janssen's out for, what do we think, like another three weeks or something like that? At least two weeks. Mm -hmm. You've got time to look at some of these guys a little bit longer. If they continue to play really well, you know, maybe you don't want to get in a situation where, I mean, Engvall doesn't require waivers, so you can send him down for a few weeks or whatever, but maybe you want to be in a situation where when it comes to the stretch drive and you're trying to earn points and make the playoffs and... When you're in the playoffs, you're going to want Engvall on your team. I mean, it, we need to see more of him to know what he is. But to me, he looks like a guy that's one of their 12 best forwards for sure. And he might even be in the top 9 or 10. So, you know, I, we this the Leafs have never had their entire forward lineup healthy this year. We've never seen the full group together. Yeah, We're getting close. Um, but I just think that they got they got a lot of guys. And they've got a cap situation that means they can only have 21 players on the roster when everyone's healthy. And they're going to have to make some hard decisions. And if other teams are willing to give you a really good asset. And the other thing too, Jonas, that I've been thinking about is that they're probably going to have to trade one of those guys in the summer anyway. They probably, if you look at their cap situation and what they're going to have to do on defense and trying to get um, Hall and Dermott and McKayev re-signed, they're probably going to have to trade somebody anyway. So if you can make a deal for a guy you're going to have to trade in the summer anyway that helps you balance out your roster a little bit now, I think it makes sense. You just you can't make a bad trade, but if you can make a good trade now that you're going to have to make in the summer anyway, you might as well do it now because it's going to help you this season. Yeah, I think you make a good case. I, I, I think where a couple things where I would be a little, I don't know, hesitant is you take a cut, like a couple guys get hurt like they are right now. And suddenly your depth is is like, so say exactly the situation right now where they don't have more, they don't have Janssen. 
um, now takes someone else out. So let's say you take Kapanen out. And suddenly, like, you start to get a little more vulnerable. Like, suddenly, who's playing with Matthews and Nylander? Someone else has to move up, and someone else has to move higher in the lineup. And, and maybe you can survive. Like, maybe the difference between Mikheyev and Kapanen isn't enough that it's a problem. The other question I have, and I've been, like, going back and forth, like, for a year now, is I don't know which guy you move. Like, I, I for, for a while, thought Kapanen would be the guy that I would move if I got into that situation, if I was Kyle Dubas. And now I'm not sure. Like, I, there, there are parts of Kapanen I, that I think are more attractive. And maybe that's because Janssen's felt more like a secondary piece on the line with Matthews and Neander when he's played. But, like, Kapanen's younger. He's he's a different type of player than they have, like, in some ways. Like, he's he's big. He's physical. He can obviously skate. He can shoot the puck. He's just a little different. And yet, on right wing, they're like the best he's going to play when everyone's healthy is, is third line. So maybe he's more expendable. Maybe he gets you more because he's younger. I don't know. Like where do you stand on like which guy you would move? Is there someone else? Like, would you look at moving? I don't know. Like, what would you do? So like the Kapanen thing comes down to a few things. I think the right, the right wing thing is like, he just hasn't looked, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but he hasn't looked as, as successful. Let's call it on the left wing. Um, well, and, and James, to stop you there, they've stopped playing him on the left wing. They've had Neander at left wing the last couple games. Like, so they, they right. see it too. Right. And the question, like, does that affect Neander's effectiveness? And some guys you yeah. talk to and they do not care what wing, like I talked, I talked to Hyman when they put him on right wing briefly and he's like, I literally don't. He's like, I don't care at all. Like I will play, I will play anywhere. He'll play center if they want him to. Like it, Zach Hyman doesn't care. But some guys it's. It's harder, and mm-hmm. Hyman's found it. He he's admitted like he's found it more difficult to play on the left wing. Not only that, though, I I I I still don't. I think we've talked about this in the podcast before, so I don't want to like pick at a a scab or whatever, or pick at something that we say over and over and again, and it becomes like a a trope or something. But the Leafs are a unique roster construction in that their two best centers, who play about forty minutes of the game, are both shooters. That's not that's not that usual. A lot of times the centers are your playmakers and they're outletting to wingers that have the shot. The Leafs are in a situation where they need the wingers to be good playmakers and they can get the puck to the, the shooting centers. And I don't think that's Kapanen's strength. And it's especially not his strength on left wing. So the que- I think the question is, are you okay if Kapanen's a really good third line player and penalty killer um, at the contract mm-hmm. he has, et cetera, et cetera. Like, I like Kapanen. If there's no cap, I keep Kapanen. Of course. There's that could be like a, a something we put on a sign or something like that. But because <laughs> it rhymes, there's there's a pun there. I it's salary Kapanen something. Um, no puns on the podcast, please. Oh, but <laughs> thank people you. Love them. People love. You should see how many uh, gifts I get back with people. Just showering me with booze and throwing rotten eggs at me and all kinds of things. That's that's the kind of love the puns bring about. Um, I'm losing my train of thought. The thing that the the what's enticing to me about it though, Jonas, is can it better balance your roster? Like, yeah. can you Fair get question. a def- can you get a top four defenseman for Captain, who's a very good young player, who just I don't know. Like, 
you're not going to get a really good top four defenseman that fills the hole you need without giving up something that other teams find really intriguing. And other teams really find Kapanen intriguing. They do. You know, they, I, I was, I was, I was surprised. Well, what's interesting about that to me, James, is to me, this feels exactly like what he is. Like, I don't, maybe he's going to get better, but I think like he tops out at what he's on pace for. Like, I think he's 20 goals, 40 points. He's fast. He kills penalties. He's physical. Like, I, I like him. I, I just think this is kind of what he is. Um, and, and the good thing about, you know, moving him or Janssen is it keeps you from moving the guys I wouldn't move. And that's like a Neilander. Um, but it's, it's a good question. Like it's a delicate I think, balance you know, it's like, between trying to I didn't to answer it, it properly. I didn't answer it properly. Like, I think, I think I would trade Janssen, but you're not going to get, I don't think you're going to get as good a defenseman for Janssen. So because he's older, because he's what? He's just like, I don't, he just doesn't have the. He's just not sexy to other teams. Like other teams don't like get up in their seat and go, "Ooh, Andreas Young." Like I think they kind of just think, "Yeah, Janssen's like, you know, they think he's small. He's not as good of a skater. He's got like a little bit of a craftiness to him that that we see and that we like." But I don't know. You know what I've been thinking think, a while for team, him. Teams think like him? you you get Kapanen in on our team in the way that we play, and wow, he's going to be something. Right, and and you sell it. He's a former first round pick. His dad played in the league. You probably play him higher. Well, you do probably you play him higher in your lineup than the Leafs will when they're at full strength. Maybe he gives you a bit more. Maybe he scores thirty one year. The one thing I'm interested with Janssen, this is a tangent. I kind of think he could do more if he played somewhere else in the lineup. Like I kind of would pair him with Kerfoot and I think I'd move someone else up to play with Matthews and Neilander. He just rarely touches the puck when he plays with those guys. I, I kind of think he's being, I don't know the word, but I kind of think he loses some effectiveness or some value when he plays with those guys, which is weird. Uh, but that's just something that's been lingering in the back of my mind. Anyway, what about um, Jonas? What about McKayev? playing with Matthews and Nylander. That's yeah, that's the guy I've been thinking more and more about. And I think his skill set like he 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 would do what Hyman did for those guys a couple years back but with more touch. Like he can shoot the puck a bit. He doesn't need the puck, and I think to a degree Andreas Janssen does. I think he'd hunt down pucks. I think he'd be good down low because of his size, because of his McCabe's really good strength. like in those board in like board battles and stuff. Like he's really like sort of crafty with his stick and he seems to come up with the puck a lot. And you know, I wrote a big feature about McCabe uh this week and one of the things that his coach in, in Russia, Bob Hartley, talked about a lot is just how smart he is and how and that, that empty netter he scored against Buffalo was a good example where you know they're 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 down a man, and, and Buffalo's got the goalie out, and McKayev sees just a little tiny opening where the puck bobbles and the pass is missed. And instead of you know just like chipping it out or whatever, he kind of chips it to himself, outskates the defenseman, and scores the goal. And you watch that, and it's like like that looks like a simple play, but not every player is going to make that play. And I just think it would be you know Tavares talked about playing with McKayev, um I think when, when Warner was out was when they were playing together and yeah. how much he liked playing with them and how smart of a player he seemed and how he seemed to be getting better all the time and was figuring things out. And I don't know, I could, 
I, I wouldn't mind seeing what it looked like with, with Matthews and, and Nylander. Well, so in that construction, you would have, this is how I, w- I think I would try it. So you'd have Mikheyev, Matthews, Nylander. You'd have Hyman, Tavares, Marner. You'd have Janssen, Kerfoot, Kapanen, Kapanen which is like, a good line. It's right? a really good third line. And then you'd have like Engvall, Spezza, and, and more. That's a good lineup. Yes, anyway, that's just that's just a side tangent. We only have a actually, few more minutes left. Oh, actually, what? I wanted to I, just quickly. I wanted to say with Kerfoot, who I've talked to a little bit the last couple of weeks. I I really think that that the injury and wearing the fishbowl and losing, like he lost eight pounds, and he's a small guy. I think yeah. all of that has really affected him. And if you look at his production, it's way down from where he's been in the past. And it's not just it's not just power play that he's down. I mean, he was. Yep. He was like a 40, 45 point guy for Colorado the last couple of years, and he hasn't been there. And he's not the kind of guy that is going to make excuses or complain. But if you ask him about it, and any NHL player will tell you wearing one of those those things on your face can make it tough. And I think especially for a center where you're the guy who's, who's playing a lot with the puck uh, down low in the defensive zone and you have to make a lot of plays, um, it's tough. And I think if he's going to get it off here really really soon and uh, i think that that's gonna make him a lot more effective well we definitely have not seen the best of him yet and obviously he's still growing like this is only his third season in the nhl he seems like he's been around longer but he really hasn't obviously coming out of college and he's, um, he's what like 25 i think 24 yeah, but yeah i mean he's he's a young he's a young guy and he's one of those guys that's probably a late bloomer like he talks about when he was a kid playing hockey and you know, he was not a guy that, that many people had pegged to make it in the NHL. He was a late draft pick, and I think he's someone that, and he's a guy that works his ass off. So he could be someone that they sign him to a long contract, could get better over the... So when we talk about the Leafs forward depth and we haven't really seen that play out, that's part of it. Is it like they need Kerfoot to be a good third line center, and he hasn't been there yet. Yeah. I'm glad. Well, so I still have to write that story on his childhood. Um, and, but anyway, if people haven't read your Mikheyev do it feature, read it. It's, it's great. Um, let's take a quick break. And then there's one more thing I want to get to you with. We talk about physical fitness a lot when we talk about hockey, when we talk about the Leafs, but there's another side of the game. That's just as important. I'm talking about mental fitness. Calm, the number one app for sleep and meditation has teamed up with LeBron James to help you train your mind. LeBron and Calm know that your mind is like any other muscle in your body, and Calm can help you train your body so you sleep better, have less stress, and perform at your best. Here's what LeBron says, quote, getting good sleep and finding time to rest is one of the most valuable things I can do for my body and mind, end quote. I think LeBron even sleeps like 10, 12 hours a night. So for a limited time, our listeners can join LeBron in using Calm with a 40% discount to an annual membership at calm.com slash leaf. Unlock content to help you focus, ease stress, and sleep better. Get started at calm.com slash leaf. That's calm.com slash leaf. All right, so here's the last thing I wanted to get to. The more I think about it, the more they're going to have no choice but to play Anderson close to 70 games. Agree or disagree? I mean... I think, like, guaranteed... It's going to be 66-67. Yeah. Yeah. 65 I, I to 70. I don't think you can go to 70, though. That's too... I mean... I don't know that you're going to have a choice. 
They got to I mean, just you... claim somebody off waivers or something. Like, I think you give yeah. Hutchinson this game against Detroit on Saturday, and if it's still a problem, then you just, like, take whatever goalies out there. And, like, like I understand what they're saying. Like, they're, the Leafs are saying, like, Tristan Jerry's off the table. He's played so well for Pittsburgh. Doesn't really look like the Rangers want to trade Georgiev. You probably have to give up a lot for him. And if you look at that list of backup goalies I put together a couple weeks ago, there's not a lot else on there that's very sexy, but... No, they don't need sexy. They need a guy that can play. How many more games do they need? They need a guy that can play eight or nine games and and be a league average goalie. That's that's what they need. And I'm not sure Hutchinson. I don't think is that. So you don't need a guy that's a world beater. You just need somebody that's. To you know what you need, James. You just need a guy who's not going to beat you. You need just competent. Like Hutchinson has lost. I was going to say just okay. You know. What's I was that? Say to, to quote Randy Carlisle, I was going to say just okay. They need a guy that's just okay. They just need they need somebody. And it, you know what's interesting? You know who's coming to town on Monday is James Reimer, and he was available for nothing in the offseason. And I know he's got the contract that he's got and whatever, but like he was available for nothing. And Florida took back Scott Darling and bought him out. Like You probably could have got Florida to retain half that contract and brought James Reimer in here and I know the Leafs are stuck for cap space and et cetera, et cetera, but he's having a great year. And I think that in hindsight, that would have made a lot of sense. And I mean, not even in hindsight. I mean, we talked about the back of goalie a lot in the summer. I'm not sure I buy that, though. I don't know. Carolina would want to have a second goalie. Like, it's not like you can really depend on Peter Mrazek. And they're a good team. No, I'm not. I'm not. No, no, no. I'm not saying Carolina's. I'm saying in the offseason when Florida traded him for, oh. for like a negative asset, gotcha. the Leafs should have okay, been involved sorry. in those conversations. And I think. No, Carolina, like he's Carolina's starter. He's been great. Like I'm sure the uncertainty Car- with the cap and Marner made that difficult. But I think Reimer only makes three point five, and I think Florida. I was I heard they would retain a lot big chunk of that. So you could have had Reimer for like one seven five in theory. Um, hmm. Well, yeah, that would be interesting. Well, and so if your calculations are cor- if my calculations are correct, and their backup can play ten games, Anderson is still starting sixty five times. So, I'm okay with 65. I'm okay with he's done 66 before. I like I can live with that. But if you're getting into like 68, 69, 70, I get really nervous about it. Well, so there are I believe five back-to-backs left. So that means Hutchinson or goalie X will have to start five additional games. And so and I'm far sure that's course, what Yeah. I, I'm sure that's what the Leafs are thinking that there aren't that many more back-to-backs, but like I don't know. So is if Anderson only plays games that aren't the second game of a back-to-back, how many starts does he get? It's like 68 or 69 or something. It'd be right? 70. It'd be 70. Well, he's only played one game of a back-to-back so far, right? And there's 14 in the season. So it Yeah, would be there's 60. five left. It would be 69 then. No. Unless you're better at minus, than I am. 82 minus 14 back-to-backs gets you to 68, and he's played one of the back-to-backs, so that's 69. There are 47 games left, right? Minus five. <laughs> 42 plus... Five how many games is Anderson? Numbers. Plus 28. Yeah, I'm right. It's 70. But whatever. 69, 70, same shit. Not too many. Are you, are you leaving out Kaskasu or the game he played? Huh? Sorry? You see, you see what I'm saying? There's 82 games, right? Yeah, I'm doing the math of what's present. Do you know yeah. what I'm saying? 
Anyway, it doesn't matter. Are you missing, are you missing the back-to-back on the weekend? I think there's more back to There's two back-to-backs coming up in the next two weeks. Yeah, I'm doing the second half of the first half of one and the second half of the other. So I'm Anderson in one game and Hutchinson in the other. I'll be ready. I'll be rested. Actually, by the way, there was a a really good story on the athletic from Dom about um, using the the, using a goalie on both nights of back to back and how the evidence isn't as clear cut as it once was thought. What I think he also pointed out in the story that is is maybe more relevant is that rest wise, like over a course of a full season, it's not a good idea to do it often, but it's not the detriment that we once thought it was. So no, anyway, and people I th- haven't read that, maybe check that out. The bigger concern for me with Anderson is like total workload over the course of the season. Not oh yeah. Like I think it's okay if he plays two games on a back to back, you know, a couple times during the season. I just I think if you give him seventy games, like either he might get hurt and then you're toast, or he might just be a cream puff by the time the playoffs start. And then like, what was your season for? So I yeah, just, but if you don't get it, what was your keep, season for? Leafs got to ca- keep watching the waiver wire. Um, they got to keep watching the teams that fall out of the playoffs right now, which is a group that includes Detroit, New Jersey, Ottawa, LA, uh, Anaheim's way down there, Chicago, San Jose. If some of those teams start, start sending guys out, goalies out, the Leafs got to keep an eye on that. And there might be, you know, maybe you can get a goalie for a fifth or a sixth round pick and you do it. And I don't care if he's only playing six or seven games the rest of the season. Those six or seven games could be the difference between them getting in and not. Yes. All I can keep thinking while you're talking about that is that I think it's Ralph Wiggum in the Simpsons when he says, like, you're killing him or something. Is that right? Is that something that happened? Uh... Anyway. You mean like when when we're like beating beating him to you mean he's already dead that one yeah that's the yeah. one I always yeah well that was when uh, Homer takes over and is crusty and the Hamburglar shows up at an event and the Hamburglar starts stealing hamburgers and then Homer as crusty starts beating the crap out of out of the Hamburglar and then <laughs> the kids are the kid says stop stop he's already dead that one all right yeah I think that's the one. All right. Can well, I reenact, so can I reenact more Simpsons episodes? No, we don't have time. So oh, okay. next time, next time, everybody. if you're not, yeah. And so if you haven't subscribed to the Athletic, you want to read James's big feature on Ilya Mikheyev. I had a conversation with Austin Matthews that that's up today. Go to theathletic.com/slash/leafreport for forty percent off. James, I don't. Are we going to do a podcast next week during the holidays or the one after? Um. I guess TBD. Next week does not look good because I'm only working Monday next week. So, um, so the week after. All right. Yeah, it's probably. Ne- but you know, happy holidays, everybody, and uh, yeah, we'll talk at some point. And thank you for listening. Peace out. Peace out.